Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Big Wednesday recap day on the pod. Apologies for the uh, slightly later release today. Had to knock out a few uh, actual business things in the morning. But we're rolling here on Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation brought to you by, yes, a good list these days. Thrive Fantasy, ExpressVPN, MyBookie, and Manscaped.com. Four partners in crime here at Sports Ethos. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We got a big, big Wednesday card to recap. 13 games, and that's basically going to be the show today. So settle back in wherever chair it is. You're jogging, I don't know. And we'll just dive right on in. We'll interrupt between every the two or three games and remind you guys about one of the places we are working with right now, where, again, we really do need your help. Bulking up our corporate partnerships. This is a, 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 a quartet of key ones, big, really prominent businesses that uh, we would like to have around for a really long time. We've actually had a few of them for, uh, for a bit already. The Knicks went into Indiana and got their butts kicked. This was sort of a weird ball game because the Knicks continue to be a team that are in a, a bit of state of flux. By the way, I should mention you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Basbris. Mitchell Robinson, they want him coming off the bench now, but Nerlens Noel was hurt. So instead of bumping Mitch Rob back into the starting center job, they gave it to Taj Gibson, and that went horribly against Demonis Sabonis and, and Miles Turner. And then Mitchell Robinson only got 19 and a half minutes off the, the bench. Didn't really get any looks. This game was pretty much ugly all the way around for New York. I don't want to make massive changes to what we were sitting on before. But if you remember, our previous position on most of these guys was Alec Burks, all systems go. In terms of the, the more uh, up and down guys. Mitchell Robinson was a go for me. I know maybe it's, it's worth mentioning here. I think Nerlens Noel on the Roto side is going to be a go. When he gets back, he's been a very difficult guy to have in head-to-head because he's missed basically every other game this year. But then in terms of the wings and the guards, I still think Derrick Rose is good enough to be a go. He had 8-5-7 and seven in this game. No threes, no steals, and no free throws, which is what held him back. That's the, the free throws, walking into a steal every once in a while, the assists being better. I like him still as my second favorite, even though... For a couple of games here, you could probably argue Manuel quickly was slightly better. Lower assist total, but did get two steals and a three ball. I I just, I can't fully wrap my head around quickly as a must-start guy in nine-category leagues. I don't even know that Derrick Rose is a must-start guy in nine-category leagues, but he's closer in my estimation just because there are more categories in which he's successful quickly perhaps has the easier path in a a points format because you don't need to be well-rounded. You just need to be good in a couple of things. Um, And then the only thing that maybe has changed over this week is that Evan Fournier probably got bumped all the way to the bottom of that pack. On the Indiana side, uh, Rick Carlisle was placed in COVID protocols today. I don't know what that's going to change from a uh, game-to-game perspective, because right now, the main guys are the main guys. TJ McConnell's out long-term. Justin Holiday's in protocols. We don't know when he's coming back. Hopefully not too long. When he does, 
that probably changes the makeup a little bit. It probably sends Chris Duarte back to the bench, although right now, Duarte's a must-start guy as the starting small forward. He's playing big minutes, he's getting steals, he's getting threes, even had a few assists in this ballgame. So he's very much a go at the moment. What I don't know is where he ends up after Justin Holiday comes back, because I do think that's kind of been his job. I don't know why Justin Holiday can't get steals this year, but maybe that starts to level off at some point. Uh, but Duarte needs to be on rosters right now because there is also a chance that this becomes kind of a streamer with benefits sort of situation. You don't want to be the guy that's like, ah, well, you know, he's going to lose this job, so why do I bother for the next few games if you know, the young guy, does he hold on to it? Indiana, of course, talking about all their guys being on the trade block and then they played better for a couple of ball games. We don't know. There's a lot in flux with this team. So it's wise to have a young guy who's already playing relatively well. Wizards came back and beat the Pistons thanks to Daniel Gafford's six-block ball game. He's done that a couple of times this year already, and he's number 86 in 9-cat right now. I mean, I don't know that this most of this year could have gone a whole lot worse for him. He got off to that brutally slow start. But he's been much, much better over the last three or four weeks. In fact, I think even if you pull the whole month up, Gafford's in the 70s. Uh, and he's, be- he's begun to sort of settle into that zone. But this is the important part. Last two weeks, top 30. There was a week in there where he was nearly a first rounder. That is why you held on Gafford. Spencer Dinwiddie had a rare better ball game. I, I'm not changing my opinion on him being a guy I, I don't really want to start in most fantasy formats. Kyle Kuzma had a good one. Same story there. Don't care. KCP's actually been probably the most consistent player on the Wizards to this point. He's, I got to make sure I get the numbers exactly right before I say it out loud. Uh, Pope is number 105 in 9-cat, and Bradley Beal is 89. Those guys are separated by a round and a half minimal when you consider the fact that you're talking like eighth, ninth rounders at that point. That's brutal. And Beal was bad again. Four turnovers, five out of eight, free throw shooting, no three-pointers, only three assists. I don't know when the hell Bradley Beal turned into a bad version of Devin Booker, but that's where we're at right now. I do still think that his values bottomed out. So this is your buy moment. I'm seeing a lot of trade questions come across my Twitter screen that's like, hey, should I sell Beal for like Chris Middleton. Like, okay, this is, things have gotten a little bit dire, but also it, it, it's data. These are data points we can use to say if this is what it's taking to get him. Chris Middleton's number 77. Uh, I saw someone that was like, is it, could I go Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Middleton for Bradley Beal? Yeah, those guys are ranked higher than him right now. And I actually like Halliburton a lot. He's currently right on the edge. He's an early fourth rounder at the moment. So he's already beating his ADP by a round. Uh, and you saw from his game yesterday, he could even go higher than that. Still, none of those guys has the ceiling of Beal, who, despite all this messy stuff, is still taking 20 shots a ball game. He's just, his free throw number is dive bombing. He can't seem to put the ball in the bucket. And there's just a lot of things going weird for him right now. But it still feels like a buy opportunity. I know there's the whole, like, will he stay in Washington, blah, blah, blah. Well, they got a win. They needed one because they haven't been very good on the road. On the other side, Jeremy Grant, he's actually been really good lately. Frank Jackson had one of his weird explosion games, but who cares? Isaiah Stewart's been a little better last week, really. Last three or four games, he's been useful. Thank goodness. Minutes have been trending up. 
I still like Kelly Olynyk, by the way, as the backup. There's there's going to be something there for him. There's almost definitely going to be something there for him. And then uh, Cade Cunningham, very slowly kind of coming around. You knew what this one was going to be. The totals rank at the end of the year is going to be less impressive than what he's doing on a game-to-game basis the last, I don't know, five, six, seven weeks of the year. He's already doing some stuff. Detroit's got a fun little foundation. They got to figure out what they actually want to do with these players on a game-to-game basis because they're all over the map. Sadiq Bey, very much a drop. Second worst field goal percent guy in the NBA right now by volume, by volume. No, very few players. One, in fact, is hurting you more. Uh, And then Killian Hayes had looked like maybe streamer-level guy for a little bit, but that fell off the map. So, you know, whatever. That's a big fat whatever. Philly beat Charlotte 110-106. I thought this game would be a little bit of an easier one for the 76ers who kind of let Charlotte hang around, ended up beating them in overtime in that last ball game. Here, Philly played a little bit better, but shot a little bit worse. Joel Embiid in particular still had 32 points, but it took him a lot uh, many more tries to get there. Uh, took 19 free throws, which, of course, you kind of knew was going to happen when the other team's centers are Nick Richards and P.J. Washington. The fantasy notes from this game. Matisse Thybul, 21 minutes. It's unfortunate to have to say this, but he's probably done so. Now that Philly's getting close to healthy, and, and Ben Simmons still isn't back, or traded, and if they trade him, someone's coming back that would also chop into any of potentially some of those minutes. So Thibault's probably droppable at this point. I'm not saying you got to like go out and just cast him into the ocean, but if something comes along and he really is your lowest tier guy, then so be it. Danny Green is back. He seems healthy enough. He's himself not quite doing enough to be rostered, but he is doing enough to knock Thibault off of the pedestal. And then on the Charlotte side, I was floored that we didn't get a good game from Cody Martin the previous one. He did it this time, and he's a guy you absolutely must stream until players start coming back for the Hornets. He's starting. He's playing maximum minutes. He's actually second on the team in minutes behind just Miles Bridges in this ballgame, and they're pretty much playing the entire game. They have no bench. The whole damn team is in COVID protocols. Many of them, I would assume, actually sick with it. But in the meantime... Gordon Hayward, Cody Martin, Kelly Oubre, Miles Bridges, generally P.J. Washington, although I think we'll all be happy when he doesn't have to spend most of his playing time against Embiid. Those guys are crushing it. Trot him out there. Any format. I don't care what, like, this, the Cody Martin stream, that's Roto, head-to-head, whatever. He's above, way above the cut line with the amount of minutes he has to play right now. Hey, our buddies over on the DFS side put out their first Thrive Fantasy Plays since our partnership began on today's DFS Today podcast. I would strongly suggest you guys go listen to the show so you can then go win with our pals at Thrive Fantasy. I'd love to know if some of you guys have signed up and how it's going for you so far. Again, working with just an excellent dude named Scott over there at Thrive to set up this partnership. Use coupon code ETHOS. I guess it's a promo code, not a coupon When you sign up, that will unlock a 100% deposit match bonus up to $100. And if you deposit $10, that's it. You get two free NBA game tickets, meaning not actually to go to a game, but the $20 NBA entry tickets. That's the $5,000 guaranteed nightly contest. You can use it on that. 
you get two of those for depositing just $10. So put in 10 bucks, they'll match your 10 bucks using promo code ethos, and you get two $20 entries. So you basically put 10 bucks in and you get $60 worth of entries. That's pretty sweet. A 5x bonus? I mean, it's 5x on top of the 10, so total of 6x on your... I mean, that's that's a pretty damn good deal. ThriveFantasy.com. Prop up. Because the magic of what they do there on the DFS side is that you don't have to play the whole DFS card. You don't have to know 300 different players every night. It's the best players, the most impactful superstars. You're picking prop bets based on how you think the superstars are going to do on a given night. And if you guess the most of them right, hopefully it's more than a guess, you've done the research, you win a share of the prize money. Easy peasy. Take home some cash with our buddies at thrivefantasy.com. Promo code is ethos. And I'll make sure to tweet out the link at some point later on today as well so you can just get that from my Twitter feed, thrivefantasy.com or the Thrive Fantasy app. Chicago at Cleveland. Derek Jones Jr. now into COVID protocol. So he was our fill-in option for the fill-in option for the fill-in option. And they're all down now. The Bulls signed Stanley Johnson. But at this point, I'm done exploring uh, with the exception of one eye on Troy Brown Jr. He played 27 minutes in the last ballgame. He's a pretty well-rounded fantasy player. Not going to score very much, though. Not on this team. Which is why I don't know that I can make myself take the plunge, although it does seem like he's going to have to play 30 minutes in their next ballgame. Doesn't it? They'll get you a couple steals, get you a block, get you an assist, get you a couple rebounds. There's just not going to be anything that special about it. And without the special factor, you know, maybe it plays more into the head-to-head type of stream where you know you get it for a week or whatever it is, it'll be decent. You don't have to think too much about it. It might be better than the last guy in your roster. But Roto side, games cap side, I don't think I trust it to be over that sort of top 80 mark or whatever we're really gunning for. Cavs are really easy to handicap, so that's fun. We can pretty much just cruise right on by them on a 13-game card and save our breath. Oklahoma City beat Toronto 110-109 in Canada. The only, well, okay, so Kenrich Williams has had a couple good ball games in a row. I don't care. Darius Baisley had a good ball game. I don't care. These things are going to happen every once in a blue moon. Shea Gilgis Alexander's kind of the only startable player on that team. I know everybody's sitting on Josh Giddy and waiting for it to all come together. It might be a bit yet. He's still in the 150s. As you've seen, the field goal percent, the free throw percent, both very, very low. Such is the life of the rookie ball handler. And then I guess Lou Dort, he's been okay. He's been scoring a fair amount this year, which that's been pleasant. Yeah, he's in the 90s. All right, yeah, Lou Dort's a go. Shea, Dort, that's it. Toronto side, Gary Trent Jr. seems to have settled back in nicely. 24 points, couple of steals, so he's back to his old tricks. Uh, Chris Boucher got the start in this ballgame with every other center on the shelf, effectively. Pascal Siakam ended up sliding up and playing some more center, but Boucher got 22 minutes, and if he sees that in any game, it's going to be a fantasy win. And it was here. 11 points, 7 boards, 3 for 3 at the foul line, 2 blocks. The only thing that was missing was a 3 ball, really. So we don't know 
we don't know the the status of the upcoming games here for Boucher. You might. This is why he's pretty much not an option in a head-to-head, because by the time you pick him up, he might be back on the bench playing seven minutes again. But if everybody that was out for this ball game, Precious Achua out, Kem Birch out, so on and so forth, OG still out, of course. If that continues, and we find out Boucher is starting again, then in a games cap format, that actually makes him the most interesting play of all. Because you can just yank him right out of your lineup at the last second if you need to, or drop him in at the last second. Doesn't cost you any weekly moves because it's Roto. Doesn't cost you a game played if you pull him out at the last second. And if they start him and you've got him, you might get a mid-20s minutes production where he just pops off, takes two or three more shots than this, gets a couple of assists and a three ball, and you end up with a top 50 kind of line in 24 minutes. This is why we took chances on Boucher in this 7th, 8th, ninth round on draft night because this type of thing... When he gets these minutes, that's it. That's all it takes is achievable. Unfortunately, he hasn't gotten those many minutes. He hasn't been close. So, yeah, falling on its face to be sure. But, again, Roto's standpoint, he's got to be right at sort of the edge of your fingertips in case it happens again. You do not want to miss it in Roto if this happens again. Miami beat Milwaukee 113-104. Call it South Beach flu on this one. Giannis was horrible. This might be the worst game he has all year. Just wrecking percentages, both of them. Drew Holiday's been great lately, though, so at least that's something. Bobby Portis rolling. Middleton starting to come around a little bit. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton have fallen off. On the Miami side, uh, well, first of all, Dwayne Dedman only 13 minutes, two points, nine rebounds, which, I, you know, the rebounds are fine and all, but this was the fear with him. Miami doesn't have to play him at center. I know he's kind of the only real center on the roster. Sorry, sorry Omer Yurtseven, but they went P.J. Tucker at center. They played at the Houston mold. Just go small ball. Bobby Portis, he doesn't, you know, you don't need a super tall center to deal with Portis. Strength will do just fine. That type of thing won't really work. You know, we saw Miami, they had to play Deadman 25, 30 minutes against someone like a Demonis Sabonis, or if they run into another big center. But that makes Deadman a guy that you're holding in a games cap format exclusively to drop in there on the days when they play against a big center. That's a big ask. That's a big ask for you, monitoring your fantasy team and killing a roster spot with a guy you can't start every night. That even when he gets a few minutes, the upside isn't really all that intense. Uh, So in the meantime here, P.J. Tucker actually seems like a relatively interesting flyer as a center that'll get you some threes, some steals, kind of a weird, again, strange stat set. Caleb Martin had a huge ball game. My problem, of course, with the Heat is that Tyler Hero should be the guy getting all of that stuff. Or Duncan Robinson should be the guy getting that stuff. But Miami's always going to go to a hot hand thing. That's how Spolstra's been, and he's not about to change that now when both of his stars are out. By the way, uh, remember when Tyler Hero was like number 65 and we said, take anyone inside the top 80? Well, he's number 110 now. This fantasy game looks an awful lot like Bradley Beal's this year. (laughs) Houston beat Brooklyn. Nets were resting Kevin Durant and LaMarcus Aldridge. And this was sort of... They're kind of asking for it. Nets have played kind of poorly 
for like seemingly three out of the four quarters in almost every game that they have. And then it's like, all right, Harden, Durant, one of you guys just get nuts and win this ball game for us. And so when one of those guys is out and the other one isn't having a great ball game, they're doomed because there's no real depth on the Nets. The depth is is wonky at best. James Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Millsap, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, Cam Thomas had 18 points in this game. I mean, there was just, this was bad. So I don't know. I mean, the more I look at it, the more I think the Nets really need something else. His name is probably Kyrie Irving, but I don't think he's coming around anytime soon. Regardless, this is a silly one. You know, they were resting their guys, hoping they could kind of get away with it anyway. They didn't. Oh, well. Onward and upward. James Harden, a bad shooting game, brought his field goal percent back down to 40 on the year. He's still number seven, however, in nine cat. So there he is, as usual. On the other side, uh, Garrison Matthews. That stream has been gravy since the second Jalen Green went down and continues to be. 19 points, two boards, three steals, one block. Great game for Matthews. Christian Wood's been better since he moved into that center spot. Jay Sean Tate had that darn free throw shooting game. We knew it was going to come at some point, but I think you you got to keep starting him with as well as he's played lately. And then the Alper and Shengun stuff, I mean, the game is probably slowing down for him a little bit. You can see the mistakes are less, but now that he's backing up Christian Wood in a straight center minute split, there just isn't a whole lot of room for him to operate. You know, Wood played 33 minutes, 38 seconds, and, and Shengun played the other 14 minutes and 22 seconds. It was a perfect split to 48. I do not trust Armani Brooks. Uh, I don't even know who Josh Christopher is, but he made all seven of his shots in yesterday's ballgame. And then Eric Gordon at 21 points before getting ejected. I legitimately don't care how many times in a row he has a decent shooting game from three. I'm not touching it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Makes me sick to my stomach to think about it. Friends, check out our buddies over at expressvpn.com. I know I'm hammering you guys with this stuff this week, but this is week one of our new partnership. Um, ExpressVPN, actually, they're going to be partnering with us for half of each of the next three months, so you only have to hear me hammer you with it for you know five to ten shows at a time. Um, but here's the thing, and the point I really want to make on this, first of all, ExpressVPN wants to make sure you guys know that your internet service provider is selling your browsing information and that's pretty gross too if you're like me and you actually don't care as much about that stuff i care more about league pass i care more about the mlb packages whatever the hell they call that these days game you where was the i don't know i forget what fun name that anyway point is when i lived in bakersfield which was a dodgers territory even though it's 110 miles from Dodger Stadium, I couldn't watch Dodger games on my league pass. We had league pass for the clubhouse, and they couldn't get the team that... Now, admittedly, the players didn't want to watch it because, you know, they were Mariners farmhands and Reds farmhands and things like that, but I did when they weren't there. I wanted to throw the Dodger game on or, like, on my computer in the office. Nope, couldn't do it because technically... We were in Dodgers territory. With ExpressVPN, I could have done it. You can mask your location. And I don't feel like this is somehow a weird thing to do because you're paying for it. And it's like, oh, well, you could just watch it. No. 
No, because guess what? Spectrum didn't cover the ballpark. So you couldn't get their station at the stadium, and you couldn't get it on your computer because of blackout rules. That's BS, man. And I know a lot of you people in the country are dealing with that same stuff where you live near to a big city that gets the team, but you can't get it because you don't have the right cable provider, but you're paying for League Pass, so you want to watch your damn team, and the only time you get to see them was when they have a national game like once every four weeks. That is idiotic and not fair. Get expressvpn.com forward slash hoopball. Yep, remember, it's the old code there. And get 15 months for the price of 12 on your ExpressVPN subscription. It's very easy. You download the software, you turn it on with one click, and uh, then nobody knows what the hell you're doing. Get your privacy back with expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Three bonus months. Thanks, guys. Fun to work with those dudes again. I know a number of you were actually waiting until we got that coupon code back so that you could sign up for this season of League Pass. Well, now we've got it. Now you can do it. Denver beat New Orleans in overtime, 120-114. to 114. Nikola Jokic, 39-11-11. and 11. That is a sizable performance, although he did miss a bunch of free throws. Something weird going on there. Monty Morris has actually been decent. I still think he's more streamer than anything else. Jeff Green has been decent lately. He's also kind of more in the streamer mold, although he's pushing to get above that mark. It doesn't really look like anybody's coming for his minutes anytime soon either. Play 36 here. Looks like he's going to be above 30. Problem is usage for Jeff. So he's going to have to find a way. It's going to have to be field goal percent, threes, some defensive stats mixed in. He's close, though. Right now, he probably falls more into the streamer mold. But I actually picked him up as a stream in one league, and I'm thinking I might just hang on. There are so many greens. You got to make sure you're looking at the right one. Jermichael and Jeff on the same team. Jeff Green on the year is ranked 224 in 25 minutes per ballgame, which is a shame. But as things have leveled off a little bit over the last month, in 29 minutes per game, he's number 130. And that's a number that could be a tiny bit higher if the steals and blocks weren't at 1.2 or if the rebounds were more like 5 or 6 instead of 4. I don't know how we get to that point. He might not ever get to that point, but it does put him awfully damn close. I know it's weird to say this, but I think I'd rather have Jeff Green than Monte Morris because there's a chance he pops off, and with Morris, it just doesn't seem like he wants to. I know that's dumb. That's sort of a dumb thing to say. He obviously wants to. But he's number 150, and he has all the opportunity in the world. He's just not doing anything with it. And every once in a while, he has an efficient game, or he's usually efficient, but he, every once in a while, he has a game where he takes like 11 shots instead of 7. You're like, oh, maybe this is... No. Uh, Kira Lewis on the New Orleans side blew out his knee. He's done for the year, so that sucks. Not that he was a, a difference maker, but you just hate to see anybody get hurt. The real news on that side... Not that Herb Jones had a big ball game. That was cool, but we've seen enough of his starts now to know it's not going to happen every night. Josh Hart, back, playing huge minutes, nearly triple-double. Did have six turnovers and fouled out in 42 and a half minutes, but 12-8-8 and eight with a three-pointer, you damn sure take that. You absolutely take that. Uh, so get Josh Hart back into your lineups. Fire it up. Utah smothered Minnesota. Donovan Mitchell had 36 as he continues his dream season, Donovan Mitchell, number 12 now in nine category leagues. First rounder. How the bleep did that happen? 
I still think LeBron James might fall out of that first round if the free throw number does come back down towards 70, although if it hangs at 75, he'll stay in the first round because that's always the thing that drags him down. DeJounte Murray's number 11. Paul George, Chris Paul, or if you put him on Wheel of Fortune, Chris Paul George fell out of the first round. They're 15 and 16 right now. DeMar DeRozan also fell out of the first round. He's 14, so that opened up a few more spots. Murray and Mitchell were the guys that climbed in. Trey Young is close. That's the weird thing about this year. So many guys fell back that if you're one of the rare players who took a step forward, LaMelo Ball, big step forward. DeJounte Murray, big step forward. Trey Young took a big step forward this year. He looks more like the Trey Young from two years ago. Now, I mean, you know, part of that is that all of his wings are hurt, but all you had to do was maintain and you could climb a little bit. But if you actually got better, then you're way up the board. Meanwhile, by the way, Giannis, 23 now. He's really fallen off. That free throw stroke in particular, hurting, hurting. Although, you know, you don't have him unless you're punting there, so sort of a disingenuous discussion to have. What a weird thing. All these guys that just needed to do the same to climb the board because so many folks forgot how to shoot. Look at Jared Allen. There's a guy who not only did the same, but got way better. Number 27. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. On the Minnesota side, really the only fantasy note from this ballgame is that Patrick Beverly did, in fact, come back. Had 16 points, two boards, two assists, no steals, no blocks. But you know, from the point guard spot, he's the weird stats king. He'll rebound from the point guard spot. He'll get blocks from the point guard spot. I think, to me, he's an ad. You got to go out and get him. D'Angelo Russell should be back relatively soon, but you still got to go get Patrick Beverly. He was playing really well prior to his injury. This is more, by the way, for games cap format because you know you're three weeks away from the next Patrick Beverly injury. But if you can squeeze six, seven, you know, top 60, top 70 games at him before that, it's all worth it. No real adjustments on anybody else. Dallas beat Memphis 104-96. Luka Doncic, nine turnovers. There are a few guys that had crazy high turnovers yesterday. Luka was one of them. Kristaps uh, foul trouble, but still managed a solid ball game. Made all five of his free throws. That's how you do it, man. You find a way. Funny thing about Porzingis is that he's number 10 right now, and he could actually be better. If his blocks go from 1.5 and, and creep up a little bit, I mean, I, you know, maybe they won't. They might not. But if that goes to like 1.7, he ends up as the number 9 or number 8 guy. That's how close he is because that's a stat that moves players and rankings real fast. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith had a more... Typical game. He's number 117, hanging out. The road to top 90. I've been preaching a Jalen Brunson drop for about a week now, and nothing I saw yesterday changed my feelings on that. He played a lot of basketball, but yesterday was a great example of why Brunson has such a tough time staying inside the top 100. Because at the free throw line, he's fine. Not great. Field goal percent-wise, he's better than most guards, but he's not going to be a big-time positive impact guy there. That's one of the areas where he usually does better. But minimal defensive stats, very few three-pointers. So you get this weird kind of mishmash of stats from a point guard type player that doesn't really make sense. It's like if you took Derrick Rose, but then tweaked down the free throw percent. Why would I want that guy when I could just 
go have Derrick Rose instead. On the Memphis side, this is just a weird offensive game where they weren't very good. They weren't very good on offense. Jaron Jackson Jr. was uh, good enough compared to the rest of them. He actually had a pretty good ball game. 26-7, a couple of blocks. I don't want to complain about JJJ because you guys know I've been digging on him pretty hard this year. Uh, end of the third round value right now. So he's beating his ADP already. And he's another guy I feel could probably go higher. His minutes are only at 27 this year. This was 33 yesterday, but looks like they're kind of easing him into higher minutes. De'Anthony Melton, yes, he continues to be a start while John Morant is out. I don't think he will be when Ja comes back. Tyus Jones, same story. He's a start while Ja is out. Probably won't be when he comes back. And that's about it on the Memphis side. Um, you know, Steven Adams had a couple of good ball games, but we didn't buy into it. And that looks like it's probably the correct answer to that question. Sacramento and Orlando was a fun one. 272 combined points in regulation. Holy shamoly. I mean, we're talking about like 120 possessions on both sides of this game. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and not surprisingly, it led to a few of the best fantasy lines on the night. Let's start with the good news, because there was some bad news in this game as well. But we'll start with the good news. And honestly, this maybe should have been the game we started with, because I feel like this game might have had the most actionable piece of information on the evening. And we'll start with that. And it's Terrence Davis, who once again pretty much took Buddy Heald's lunch money. And I know a lot of times you say that when it's players on opposing teams. They're on the same team. But the point I'm trying to make here is that right now, Terrence Davis is a is Buddy Heald, but making better decisions and seemingly faster on defense. Now, the fact that Heald was horrible in this game certainly contributed to Terrence Davis having another solid ball game. But at the same time, Didi's starting, so that's key component number one. Two. We've known Buddy Heald has kind of been on the outs for two years in Sacramento. That's not about to change overnight. And even after a coaching change now, he's still not really getting... Well, anyway, maybe that's not entirely fair because Luke Walden, despite clearly being annoyed with Heald, continued to give him opportunity. It seems like Alvin Gentry's like, look, man, if you're going to stink, you're just not going to play. I need my guys out there that are going full bore all the time. And right now, that's Terrence Davis. Uh, at the beginning of this week, I said I needed to see more before I could make a decision. I needed to see Harrison Barnes come back and see what the lineups looked like. What did the rotations do? Well, Barnes came back. Mo Harkless was healthy, and he just didn't even play. And Bagley's back in there as well. So the Kings are basically, at least at the start of this ball game, were basically healthy. This is pretty much their roster. And they said, okay. Here's our roster right now. Terrence Davis, you're the starting small forward, and not only that, you're getting starting small forward minutes as if two or three games ago when people were out. Harrison Barnes came back and looked pretty good, by the way. He and Terrence Davis had almost the exact same fantasy lines in one of the truly weird occurrences of the evening. Both had 16-5-3 with two three-pointers. Davis had a block. Barnes had a steal. Davis made one extra field goal 
Barnes made two extra free throws to get there. Barnes did not have a turnover. It's pretty weird, by the way, that those guys had the exact same line. Uh, But the point is, Barnes came back, and he took his minutes from whoever. No no one, like, strictly one-to-one. But what happened is that it didn't really impact the Terrence Davis minutes in a way that I thought it might. I thought they'd push bodies down the board a little bit. Buddy Heald would play maybe a little bit more. And instead of he and Terrence Davis perhaps coexisting, now you have Barnes mixed in. Well, Heald got 17 and a half minutes. His role just keeps shrinking. Davion Mitchell was actually really good in his 24 minutes, but I don't think they want to turn him completely loose yet. Darren Fox has been playing better. Tyrese Halliburton had the line of the night. Efficient double-double with five threes and five defensive stats. Woo! And the Kings put up a buck 42. They didn't guard anyone, <laughs> so there was still that problem. But Alvin Gentry, in full effect right here, go score 5,000 points because the other guy's only going to score 4,900. I think Terrence Davis is an ad in all formats if you weren't streaming him already because there is now an avenue for this dude to have rest-of-season appeal. He's my favorite thing that came out of yesterday's 13-game card. He might fall on his face. We might see Buddy Heald get popped back in there if he gets hot. I'm not sure Buddy Heald is on this team in two months. So there is kind of a long game here to play with Davis as well. I think you add him anywhere you can and ride it out. Nothing new on the Magic side. Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner, Mobamba, Cole Anthony. Wagner's been better lately. When he's been better, you start him. He's been riding hot and cold. And then Gary Harris has settled into a very nice uh, stream-level appeal. Not Roto. That's head-to-head level streaming. Because he's not going top 75 on a per-game basis. He'll go top 100 for stretches. He'll get you a top 90 line every once in a while. Maybe one game you might catch him on a great night where he goes top 75 for a night. But most of the time, it's going to be in that, like, 115, 120 range, and that's pretty good if they've got a back-to-back or a 3-4 and four or a 4-6 and six or whatever it happens to be, and you need some threes and steals. Uh, down to the last two games on the card. At long last, the Portland Trailblazers Zombie Mode Edition lost in Golden State in a game that, frankly, was closer than I think anybody figured it would be. They covered... So that tells you that it was close enough. Dennis Smith Jr., we talked about, there's very much a, a linear thing happening in Portland. First of all, we heard that Dame might be back by the end of the weekend. So all of this could mean nothing. Anthony Simons was a game-time decision for this one, so he might be back by the weekend. Okay, take that all with a grain of salt. Nas Little um, had a calf issue. We don't know if that's going to keep him out for longer than just the rest of this ball game. So pay attention to that. Uh, CJ McCollum... And his collapsed lung, in speaking to some doctor friends, that could be anywhere from two weeks to a couple of months. So it really does depend on how his body responds. Two previous times we've heard of NBA players experience this, uh, and they were each back. They were back in about in about three weeks. So McCollum, if things go right, might not be out all that long. So I wouldn't start completely reassessing things. But of course, there's the trade rumors as well. We've heard the McCollum trade rumors. Dame is getting asked about his stuff again. It's all in the air in Portland. Things are a mess out that way. But in the very near term, if Dame and Simons are out, you start Dennis Smith Jr. in any format. Probably makes more sense in games cap because then you could dump him if you have to. As soon as Simons comes back, you start him. And once Dame comes back, 
he takes the place. So it's very much this linear thing. If Dame is there, the other two guys don't matter. If Simons is there and Dame is not, Dennis Smith Jr. goes off the board. And it's only when both of the main two guys, Dame and then Simons, are out that Dennis Smith Jr. gets the bump. But it's a big bump because he floats into every point guard minute available. So you can start DSJ as long as Simons and Dame are out. You can start Covington, who had foul trouble, but he was, you know, serviceable for a night. Norman Powell should be better than this. He had some efficiency issues, but look, if you told me a guy's going to take 23 shots and then you told me he's generally like a 45 to 50% shooter, I'm going to start him. And Nurk should generally be a little bit better. He fouled out in 28 minutes here. And finally, Boston and the Clippers. Jason Tatum, another better ball game. He continues to slowly work his way up the board. Tatum number 29 now. Every game, he climbs about four spots. He's going to be a first-rounder before we know it. Uh, Over the last month, he's number 15. Which, by the way, that would have been fine if that's just where he's been the whole year. And even that, over the month, he's only shot 42.5%. So it could still be significantly better than that. I have no fears on Jason Tatum. Marcus Smart, he continues to put up good numbers. Uh, Not a whole lot more to say on him. We bought low when he was at like 115, and now he's at 62. Cool, cool, cool. Dennis Schroeder, good fill-in when Jalen Brown is out. Not useful when he's in. And then Josh Richardson had a weirdly productive game, but, you know, if a tree falls in the forest kind of thing. On the Clippers side, Brandon Boston went crazy big with Paul George taking the night off. No, I don't think we can expect that to happen again. Ivica Zubats double-doubled with four blocks. He continues to hang on to value. Played 32 minutes here. That's a really good sign for him. Serge Ibaka just got a DNP. No reason given. Reggie Jackson continues to be one of the worst uh, field goal percent guys in the NBA. Marcus Morris has been decent lately. 16 shots. We already talked about. If he gets 12, he's a fantasy value. That's always his threshold, because everything for him is hitting three-pointers and scoring points. You need shots to get there. 12 shots per game has generally been his marker, and he's pretty close. I'm not sure I believe that this is something that's going to last all year, but right on the borderline, at the very least, he's, he's more than streamable. And then Nick Batum came back, turned his ankle, has no conditioning at all. Like, you could see, he was not moving well in this ballgame. Uh, I'm holding there just until he gets his wind back to at least see what's up because, look, they're just a better team when he's healthy and on the floor. I don't think he's just completely going to lose his job because of his Achilles and COVID if the Achilles and foot and all that, if he actually gets better. Nice, quiet Thursday. Opportunity for all of us to take a little bit of a deep breath on the fantasy side after that ridiculous Wednesday. Utah, Philly, I don't think we expect to find much in that ballgame. Lakers, Grizzlies, there probably won't be a whole lot there. Denver's interesting. Denver's interesting. The Jeff Green stuff. Is there is there some lasting thing there? Well, I'm, a, I'm curious actually what the Lakers look like. Can they take what they did against Boston out on the road? Uh, Memphis doesn't play terrific defense. So Lakers should be able to attack the rim a bit. Can they defend on the other side? We saw the Lakers do it on their last ball game, and, you know, who who gets over the hump? I don't know. I don't know that anybody's going to go leapfrogging above or below the cut, the, cut line in, in this single Thursday. Uh, but if anybody 
Thibault, Jeff Green, those are probably the biggest things we're keeping watch on for this Thursday night. Folks, I mentioned on a yesterday show, I'm going to mention it again. Spend a moment going to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. I think a few of you did it yesterday, actually, and I promise you'll be happy you did. It is the best, hands down, bar none, fantasy news feed in the world. There's one feed out there, Fantasy Labs, that sometimes gets stuff faster, but no analysis. And they don't even link where they got their information. Which, by the way, a little shady, but whatever. You get the info fast, that's fine. But there's no analysis. NBC Sports Edge, good analysis. But Sports Ethos is faster. It's the best. It's the best of the best of the best. Ethos Fantasy BK. Follow it now. And shout out once again to our partners at manscaped.com and mybookie.ag. Coupon code's there for Manscaped is HoopBall20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. And at mybookie, it is just HoopBall. They have an odds boost going on for Thursday night football tonight. I don't know enough about it to tell you whether or not to do the thing, but it has something to do with the quarterbacks hitting yardage markers and the boost being that I think it was like a plus 140 payout that got bumped up to plus 200 so uh, technically it is now shifted in our favor it only needs to hit one out of every three times long term but of course we're worried about it hitting short term Uh, go talk to a football person if uh, if you want to know I also put out a tweet on the socials today looking for recruits yes we are looking for recruits Uh, If you want to bust into the fantasy industry, this is your time. Hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris or email. I think we actually have a new email for Sports Ethos. You can send it, but you can also just send it to support at sportsethos.com. So do hit us up. We want you, basketball, football, whatever it might be, break into the fantasy industry, holler my way. This is Fantasy NBA Today. That's the name of the pod. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Again, I am at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on social media. I will talk to you over there. Have a great, short, quiet Thursday, everybody. Back tomorrow, Week in Review episode. That'll get you rolling into the weekend here on the pod. Until then, stay alone.